Well, good morning. Um, I forgot my water. Uh, so after, when we were looking at um, how this Sunday was going to play out in our staff meeting. Hey, thanks, Tor. Community. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, when I was looking at the staff meeting, how we were going to do this morning. Uh, oh, thanks, dude. Wow. Servants everywhere. <laughs> this is what it should look like. We were talking about the graduation and honoring the people that, especially Andy, um, being ordained. And I was like, wow, okay, so my sermon needs to be five minutes. We've already really experienced the Lord's presence as before this. Um, Just seeing the example of the students, the teenagers, um, the seniors who have put the hard work in to graduate. And then we see Andy, the other type of senior. Uh, put all that hard work in to graduate. <laughs> uh, no, we're just so proud of him and and all and all of the kids too. Just their accomplishment um, with that, and we're so grateful to be able to celebrate that. And as my dad was talking about, we have been in the series of Mosaic, and I am talking to you about singleness today. Everybody who is married wishes they slept in today. Am I right? Okay, no. But it's such an interesting topic within the church. So when I was I was excited whenever we said we were going to talk about it, but then when it was given to me, then I got a little bit worried because I know there's preconceived notions about singleness within the church, and um, I know that people get a little guarded about it. Sometimes I talk to single people, they're like, oh no, another sermon on contentment, you know, like, oh, don't tell me to be content, I already know. I was like, you might want to try living out contentment. But anyways, um, but then on the other side of it, I've talked to single or to marrieds or to those who are in relationships and they're just like, oh, you're making me feel guilty because I'm not single living into this whole life that the Lord, you know, just, just serving the Lord, as Paul says that we will get into, it is very, is better to be single than to be married. So all these married people get offended. They're like, wait, I thought that Christ in the church, it's marriage, we're supposed to do it. It takes both. And so I want everyone who, um, there is no shame in singleness. It is a beautiful thing that the Lord has gifted us with. Um, I say us because whoop, whoop, I'm single. Um, don't give out my number. Okay. <laughs> but I just want to say there's no shame in it. It's beautiful just as much as marriage is so beautiful. It's a representation of Christ and we can live this thing out. So look at it as a gift. So to ease everyone, to relax a little bit, I want you guys to watch this video. How are you still single? Or... You know what to do. The key is to act like you don't care. How are you still single? There's someone out there for you. Jesus is your boyfriend now. Meet and greet's coming up. You know what to do. The key is to act like you don't care. It happens when you don't expect it. Who are you bringing to the wedding? If I was a girl, I'd date you. Who can we set you up with? Sorry, couples only. Have you tried internet dating? She looks single. You know who else wasn't married? Paul. All single ladies, all single ladies, come on. Happens when you're not looking. Work on your smile. He's single! You know who else wasn't married? Jesus. It's okay to be a fifth wheel. Maybe if you give God one of your ribs, he'll give you a wife. You should change your Facebook profile picture. You know who else wasn't married? Matthew. No, he was married. You should meet my cousin. Just pray about it. Pray harder. This series is on marriage. You don't need to pay attention. You're not that old yet. You can't settle. You know, you might want to think about settling. Any fish in the sea? We're going to celebrate not having Valentine's Day. If she says, you're like my best friend, that's bad. You should try overflow. Maybe she can see you tie. You know, when you have a wife, you can't play as much Xbox. You should get a dog. Have you asked Jesus for a wife? Are you on Christian Mingle? Have you? Have you tried this? This looks good. I have a great book for you to read. It's called the Bible. Jesus is your girlfriend now. Dude, you have to get someone hot because you're going to be married to them forever. You are going to make such a cool aunt. It's not about you. You know, there's no marriage in heaven. It's all about you. I don't know. Is he a Christian? It's about Jesus. I know people who got married when they were like 70, okay? You're fine. Marriage is like a sandwich. It takes a long time. You're not going to meet your husband at a bar. Do you want to be Jim and Pam or do you want to be Ross and Rachel? For it is better to be unmarried. See? (laughs) All my single people, unmarried, stand up. We did it every week. All the singles. We've done it with marriage. We've done it with generations. Hey! 
Now, all you married people, look at those people and remember all those times you made those one-liners to them and go find them after church and apologize. (laughs) Please, for the sake of all of us, stop saying that stuff. It's actually really funny, but I just wanted to ease that just a little bit to know that, yes, these comments do happen, but it's okay. We're trying to figure this out as a community. Um, I wanted you guys to stand, and sometimes whenever, whenever you're asked to stand as a single, I actually almost didn't do that. We've done it on everything else. We've done it in marriages, and it's like your generation, you're like, yeah, millennial, and then it's like, stand because you're single. You're like, What? Oh, you know, don't make me, okay. You know, how many of us were reluctant to stand? I was reluctant to ask you because I was afraid of the reluctancy of people wanting to stand. But the thing is, is we need to let go of that. And in this place, especially, I'm, I'm just praying that you know that this is a safe place, that this is a place that we can walk in that and stand tall in it, not because of our singleness and not because that we are married, but because of whose we are. And that is Jesus Christ. We is in his name that we, um, can walk like that. We can have, um, value in the fact that whether we're married, we don't find our value in someone else. You and your singleness are invaluable. You, as a married person, are invaluable. So I want us to dive into that and not compete or compare or think one has it better than the other. We both have pros and they both have cons. Can we get an amen? Like, (laughs) thank you. Oh, I love participation. Yes. Um, So I just want to say this is not a sermon on how to stay single forever. So singles, relax. Um, And it is not a sermon on our need for marriage either. This is a sermon about our need for a savior. This morning is a refocus for some, maybe, and a challenge for others. But it starts with a question. A question for all of us. Where are you headed? Who or what or where is your destination? My hope is to not only open your eyes to see the need for community that knows where it's headed, but to help you see the need for you to know where you're headed. But if you know where you're headed and you come alongside with a community that knows where it's headed and it's headed in the same direction, which we hear at Renovation, we call this Christ, we call this ethos. And this is destination ethos, Christ-likeness. So what does this mean? The word ethos means a spontaneous reoccurring pattern that is the character, the spirit, the soul of a person. It's the underlying conviction that determines the beliefs, values, and worldview of that person or the community. We are in desperate need of community. Not necessarily here. We have it, but it can grow. But our world right now, there's a greater distance between people than ever. Even those we share our home with, with social media and all sorts of distractions, creating true relationships with people in general is difficult. So we tend to create silos, or we tend to keep to ourselves. We tend to keep in the groups. The marrieds are over here. The singles are over here. The teenagers are over here. Um, We tend to do that, the men and the women. But yes, those are good to have. You need to hang out with people that are the same as you, but it also needs to be um, intermixed. You need to have and learn from other people in different spots in life. The famous, Pastor Kurt Gentry says, (laughs) in his uncommon devotional, he had no idea, by the way, (laughs) in his uncommon devotional book on Ethos Day 2, if we live our lives compartmentalized, it is difficult for the ethos of integrity or wholeness to be apparent, apparent. And so if we operate compartmentalized, then we can't see the wholeness. We can't see the big picture. So if we want our destination at renovation to be ethos, which is Christ-likeness, we have to be whole. We have to include and um, uplift and acknowledge different groups within that, but also all in the journey of Christ-likeness. We want to be a place where broken people are made whole, a place where integrity, favor, grace, trust, encouragement, and yes, grit are known. But the only way a person or community can be made whole is through the receiving the grace and mercy of our Savior, Jesus Christ, of the Holy Spirit, and knowing there is a God who created you, who loves you, and who wants to pour out his blessing on you. So Jesus is our destination. We want him to be our destination, our destination ethos. But Proverbs says where there is no vision, the people perish. So what is our vision? How can we best map this out as a single person? 
How can we live this out within community, but also within our own lives? So what I did is I looked up stats within the United States. Um, to, to best get to where we want to go, we need to know... You guys listen to Pastor Kurt. This is great. Um, we need to know where we are before we can know how to get to where we're going. So we'll look at the United States. As stats in the United States, as of 2015, that I found um, that are ages 18 up. So 45, I got a couple of different numbers. So 45 to 51% of people 18 and up in America are single. Almost half of us are single now. We're getting married later. That's unmarried, but some might be in relationships. Okay, so that's including dating. And it's also including co- um, cohabitation. So we're not necessarily talking about that, but that's only 7% of that. Cohabitating is the 7%. Everything else is singles. 43% are women. 47% are men. 63% have never been married. Around 24% have been divorced, 13% widowed. And ladies, I'm sorry to say, but the ratio of men to women are 88 to 100. So you better move fast, is that's what it's saying. But another source also says, so I looked up, okay, so that's the bigger picture of what's happening in America today with singleness, but also what's happening within the church. And I looked up stats on church, and it says about 15% of single men go to church. So take the half, and then 15% of single men, that's about 8 million, go to church. 25% of women, single women, go to church. Okay, that's a 10% difference. And if you're looking at it, you're like, oh, that's that's not a huge difference. Does anyone, can anyone calculate how big of a difference that is yet? Around 8 million people. There's more, there's 8 million around that more women, single women in church than single men. Okay, we need to be made aware of this. We need to understand um, what's happening in our culture around us, and especially within church culture. So we need to take our reality and then filter it through biblical truth. What does scripture say about this topic, and how do we handle singleness in our society? And to be honest, I, I almost didn't want to use this passage of scripture that sounds horrible. Um, <laughs> but whenever you talk about singleness, everybody goes to 1 Corinthians 7 because it talks about being married and being single. And honestly, it's a fantastic passage. It really is. And I just couldn't not do it. So we're here. So open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 7. And we're going to start reading. We're going to kind of jump around. And we're going to start in chapter 7, verse 1. And now I want to give you a setup for this. Paul is writing back to the Corinthian church in this. So the first chapters, 1 through 6, in and, and Corinthians, he's, he's talking about discourse in the church and how to heal that. But in the Corinthian church, is about five years old at this point. They are young babies, and they are on the seaport. And there are tons of different people from different cultures, different religions, coming into their seaport all the time. So it's a pagan society. It's very mixed um, of what's going on. They're inundated with all different types of information, all different types of culture. Sound like anywhere else we live today? And we we have everything at our fingertips. It's a wealthy society. But here they are trying to live this out in a sex-saturated society. Paul addresses it in chapter 6, sexual immorality, and he's talking about it here in chapter 7. And that's what the Corinthians wrote to Paul and asked him these questions. So chapter 7 through 16, Paul is answering back and pinning to them the answers to the questions that they asked him. So they have a concern. The Corinthians have a concern about of sex in the society. What about marriage? What about singles? Should we even have sex? Those types of things he's asking Paul. So you have to come into this chapter understanding the context of what they are asking and what he's speaking about. So the first one, he says, chapter, or verse one, it says, now regarding the questions you asked in your letter, okay, he says, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations, but because there is so much sexual morality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. Jump down to um, verse seven. But I wish everyone were single just as I am, yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. So I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if you can't control yourselves, (laughs) they should just go ahead and get married. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. Okay? Time. You have to time out at that. Like, you just have to. 
First of all, I want to say that the initial verses, Paul expresses his desire for people to remain single. However, he says that man should have a wife and a wife should have a husband. So he's edifying marriage. He's saying it's okay. He's not saying that one is better than the other. And he's, but he's also saying it'll do better for you if you remain single. But if you can't control yourselves, go ahead and get married. But he's responding because they're asking about the sex-saturated society. So you have to keep that in mind. He's not saying that's the only reason you get married. Because we all know that that will not solve problems. If that's the only reason you get married. If you're struggling with lust outside of marriage, when you get married, that doesn't solve that problem. But he's saying that it could put you into the confines of what biblical marriage is, or biblical sex, and having that inside um, the walls of marriage. That's what he's saying here. So I want you to know that he's uplifting both of them. The message translation reads verse 7 as this. Sometimes I wish that everyone were single like me, a simpler life in many ways. But celibacy is not for everyone any more than marriage is. God gives the gift of the single life to some, the gift of the married life to others. Paul recognizes that we have different calls on our lives, and either one is good. But he goes on to say, and I'm not going to read it, but he goes on to say that it is better for man... To be single, because when you do get married, you have different responsibilities. You have a responsibility to your wife. You have a responsibility to your family. But whenever you're single, you can serve the Lord wholeheartedly and undistracted. He's not saying stay single so you can go do what you want. He's saying stay single so you can serve the Lord wholeheartedly and undistracted. But he's saying you can also do that within marriage, but it's easier to be undistracted single. And so he's saying that, and yes, in verse 38, he does go down to say, where is it? So the person who marries his fiance does well, and the person who doesn't marry does even better. I said it, relax, it's going to be okay. That's the verse that a lot of people use, and that they start getting like, oh no, like Paul said that, married people are like, don't tell me that verse. Well, you have to take it in context, always take it in context. He goes on to say, um, when he's talking about this, the reality is that it sounds as if Paul is only to talking to two types of people with different destinations, singleness and marriage. But he's actually pointing to something else. He's pointing us to Christ. He's asking us which road is easier to take to stay completely devoted to the Lord. Neither are wrong, but one can be easier. Singles read that and think, well, that's good for you, Paul. You can take your gift and have it back, you know? Um, (laughs) How many singles? Yep, okay. I've thought that before, I will tell you. Um, But he says, uh, where am I? He's acknowledging our deep need for companionship. He knows that. We know that. Um, some people have that. For me, personally, I, I don't have that need right now, but sometimes I know that marriage could be in my future. And there are other people that are right here in singleness who have a deep need and think about marriage a lot. You have to acknowledge that. And that's okay. Both are okay under singleness. But here's the good news for all the singles. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Paul is talking to three different types of people here. He refers to those who are called to singleness. He refers to the not yet married. And he refers to the married. And if you read the other scriptures in there, he says, you know, it's okay if you are single and then you decide to get married. It is not a sin. It's okay. It's not even a step down. It's okay for the virgin to get married. Read, read this chapter. It's so rich. It is so rich and we don't have enough time. But I want you to understand there's a difference between the gift of singleness and the call to singleness. Okay, the call that, that Paul is talking about is celibacy. Okay, you might be sitting there and thinking, oh no, Lord, like, have you called me to singleness? And then you're like, don't answer me, don't answer me. Like, why did I even ask? Don't tell me. Because you might say, yes, if you're freaking out, odds are you probably are not called to celibacy. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, he says if you can't control yourself, then get a wife. So, <laughs> so I'm just That is what it is. I want you to know that there's a difference between the gift of singleness and the gift of marriage, but there is a call to singleness. Paul had the call to celibacy. That doesn't mean that we necessarily have the call. Most people will eventually get married. 
Most people are in the not yet married category or potentially get remarried category. So what do we do with that? When most people are in the not yet married, we have to wait. There's nothing we can do, or we can, but if we're going to wait, how do we wait well? How do we wait and get the most out of our time? Another thing is to wait well, we need to acknowledge what we want and where we're headed and pursue Christ-likeness. So if that's what we want, if we do, you have to decide that part first. But if that's what you want to do, let's take a look And I believe that the Lord gave this. He says, let's take a look at four points on how to wait in faith while taking steps of faith. So the first one is biblical. Pursue biblical truth. Okay. I know this sounds like an obvious first choice. I know it does. Like, go to the Bible. Okay, Allie, thanks. Now can you get me a boyfriend? No. (laughs) I, I want to say this to you because I think this is the thing that our culture is missing the most. This has to be our foundation. Christ, the solid rock, like, he is our cornerstone. So if we don't know the truth, the truth that can set us free, if we don't go to scripture and spend our time in here every day, even if it's for a moment, even if you're a mom who has all these kids running around and you can only get one scripture in that day and you meditate it all day long, that is you being in the truth, in the word. That is most important. Whether you are single or if you are married, you can't come in each week or whenever you do come on Sundays and expect to be fed enough to let it be life-changing. Because it's not because of us, it's because of the word of God. And yes, it can be spoken through somebody, but I will tell you, this is something that you can have on you. It's a privilege that we have to be able to look at this, to read this, to study this each day. However much time we can do, the truth is right here. We have to establish biblical truth because if, if you're only basing your life off of what we say up here or of what a podcast says or a book you read one time, if we only do that, then whenever we encounter others to tell them about the Jesus that we know, how will we know what to say? When they keep asking questions, how will we know? And yes, the Holy Spirit will give you words to say in that moment. That is truth and that is in Luke and he does do that. But I will also say you're going to be more bold Because you know it firsthand. And it's not just because of what we said. And it's not because of anything else. But the fact that you know and you have studied the word of God for yourself. So yes, it has to be our solid ground. It has to be our foundation. No matter if we are single forever, single for now, or married. If we don't know the truth, we will waver in times of distress and in tough circumstances. The armor of God even mentions in Ephesians 6 to first put on the belt of truth. If we don't put on the belt of truth and everything else, the, the breastplate of righteousness, that will, that will move, that won't even fit right, actually. Your, your breastplate of righteousness fits onto your belt specifically. So if we don't put the belt on properly and know what it is for and get it secure, then we can't even armor up for this battle that we are in, whether you want to participate in it or not. There is an enemy out there who is after your heart, who is after your friends, who is after your family. Does, does that make you want to stand up and say, uh, no, no, thank you. Yeah, it, it might do that to you, but you have to know the truth and you have to be armed for battle. You have to know who you are in Christ. You are saved. You are forgiven. You are accepted into a kingdom that is eternal. You are loved and you are redeemed. Jesus Christ came here. And lower, descended, descended from heaven, who made himself like us, who could do anything like God, but made himself like us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. He felt love. He felt grief. He felt, I mean, he was beaten. He was betrayed. But he had fun. I'm sure Jesus laughed. It's okay. You know, I'm sure he did, but he did all of those things so we could look at him and say, he understands what we're going through and he does. But then he still decided this man who was God decided to still go to the cross for your sins, to erase those things from you forever. Forget what has passed. Forget, forget what has passed. Do not dwell on it. And that's what Jesus died for our, our sins and for our future too. I love it whenever you think of John 4 as the woman at the whale. At the whale. Oh, gosh. My Texas is coming out. 
<laughs> Anyways, the woman at the well, Jesus redeems her because she's a Samaritan woman. Uh, she's a woman, first of all. She's Samaritan, and he's talking to her in public as a Jewish rabbi, which is not okay. It's in the middle of the day. She's been divorced five times, and she is single now, but living with her boyfriend. And she has an encounter with Jesus that changes her forever. She found value in that moment. She found the Messiah in that moment. And he not only said, here is the water, but you will thirst again. But I have the living water that you will never have to thirst again. I will, I will not only give you what you're asking for, but I will give you more than you're asking for. And that is who Jesus is. He's done and he's given us more than we could ever need just by going to the cross. If that was the only thing he did, that would be enough. But he still loves us enough that he wants to pour out his blessings on us. God wants to love you. He does love you. We need to know that he loves us. That he has created us for a purpose and for such a time as this. But he doesn't promise us marriage. He doesn't promise us marriage. And that's the thing that we have to, as singles, sometimes have to really wrestle with. (laughs) And a lot of times we go to the verse, um, Psalm 37, 4, and it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So you're thinking, I desire to get married. So the Lord, because I go to church and I tithe and I go to Bible study and I read the word because I delight myself in the Lord, he will give me the desires of my heart. But it's not about earning a spouse. How many people are in here married and you're like, wow, I definitely did not earn. (laughs) Kurt, just kidding. (laughs) It's true. No. (laughs) Jesus came in after that one. Okay. (laughs) We can't take these things out of context. So whenever somebody is single and we go up to them, we're like, well, if you just delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires. Don't say that to people. Okay, because that's taking it out of context. What he's saying is, delight yourself in me, and I will give you the desires that I have for you for your life. It is my will. So if we're seeking the Lord and we're delighting ourselves in the Lord, then we will want his will for our lives. So in turn, by wanting his will for our lives, he will put his will on our heart and we will follow through. Do you think that Jesus' desire of his heart was to go to the cross and to be beaten? His desire was to show us love. But it, the Lord, he was even sitting there, Lord, take this cup from me. But not your will, or not my will, but yours be done. And that's the place that we have to get to. He delighted himself in the Father that he went ahead and walked it out. Not his will, but the Lord's. So we have to get to a point that says, okay, he might give me a spouse, but he might not. <sighs> You might have to grieve that fact. And it's okay. That's what community's for. We're here to help you. But what if he never does? Do you still believe that he is good? What if he never does? Do you still believe that he loves you? That he has a purpose for you? That he has a plan for you? That he has made you for such a time as this? If you never get married, will you believe that? If you never get remarried, do you believe that? Because he promises us that. And he loves us. And he has created you for such a time as this. We can be content. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to not live this thing out alone. Because contentment is not the rejection of desire to be married. Contentment and contentment, any married people, definitely does not, is not a result of marriage. Contentment is not a result of marriage. And I think we need to be honest about those things when we're talking to people that are single. We need to say, hey, this is really hard sometimes. This is what we went through. I'm not saying that you, you need to respect your relationship in your marriage. You don't need to just be putting on blast everything that's going on in that moment. But when God has redeemed a situation and it's in the past and you can use it for his glory, please share those stories with us. There's a false reality, this fairy tale of happily ever after. Marriage doesn't just give us everything that we've ever wanted. And a lot of times it gives us harder, harder things that we have to go through. Even grief, a loss of being a widow or a widower. That's hard. That is hard. But this is knowledge that we can pass on to each other. That is what a community should do. We should share our hurts, our trials, but also our dreams for what this could look at. But you can be single and be lonely. 
And you can be married and you can be lonely. You can be single and discontent. And you can be married and discontent. Contentment is not based on circumstance. It is based on our security in Christ. He alone is the only unchanging thing in this life. He is the anchor of our souls. So we need to get rid of, God will give you a spouse when you're ready. God, will, God hasn't given you a spouse because you're not content enough. You know, maybe check that. You know, we need to drop that. And just ask them where they're headed. What are their goals in life? What do they do? What do they want to do? Where do they want to be? And that leads me into my next point. Pursue personal growth. And this goes for everybody. But I want to say this. This is a time to use this time to become the person that the person you are looking for is looking for. Okay? Let me say that again. Use this time to become the person that the person that you are looking for is looking for. So if you want somebody that's just wonderful over here, but then you're back here and be like, I got time, but I want that person. Check yourself. You know, we, need to, we need to invest in our own selves at this time because God has given us this gift of singleness to not only invest in the time and enjoy these things that he's gifted us with, but to also invest in others. It's about serving others. It's not about you anyways. This is about relationship with others, not only with the Father, but with those people around us. So as a single person, you have an opportunity, right? You have more time. Yeah. Well, actually, guys, we still have to do our own laundry. We still have to do our own grocery shopping. I mean, some people, like my married friends are like, well, I got to go grocery shopping tonight. I'm like, I do too. Like, who do you think does my grocery shopping? (laughs) But also, they have to cook dinner when I can just eat cereal. You know, it's like, <laughs> so I need to check myself sometimes too. You know, it goes both ways. But we do have more time. We have more money in most cases. Um, not in all, but in a lot. We need a budget to bless others around us. We need to look for opportunities to use our singleness to even serve and volunteer at church more. Um. But also to even say you have married friends that have kids. And I saw this happen just a couple days ago, and I already had this in my notes. And they gave a coupon to um, a family that has kids here. And they said, here's a night out for you to go um, enjoy and be on a date. And it's a coupon for babysitting. That is awesome. All of the young parents out here are just like, please help us. (laughs) We hear you, Stiegs. Okay. (laughs) They're right over there if you guys want to help them. Uh, No, we love you guys. Um, But that's what this time is to do that. So we, we need to invest and think about it this way. We can't isolate ourselves. Paul, who was single and called to singleness, was rarely ever alone. Rarely ever alone. He was using his time and his money. Well, He didn't really have money. Other people helped him in that area. But he used his time to serve others, but he also was with Timothy. He poured into Timothy. He was a mentor to Timothy. Actually, he was the spiritual father of Timothy. Paul, who was never married, did not have children, had a spiritual son, as he would call him, my my beloved son, Timothy. Take the time to invest in other people. Not only your kids, because you can be single right now with children, but also you can be single right now without children. You're saying, who can I pour into? There's opportunities here if we just look around. And you have talents and gifts and graces to use um, for the kingdom. I saw this quote this week. Uh, I thought it was kind of good. Um, and it is by Marshall Seagal. And it says, one of, your, one of your greatest spiritual gifts as a single person is your Yes. Yes to a random phone conversation, yes to coffee, yes to help with the move, yes to stepping in when someone's sick, yes to a late night movie or a special event downtown. You have the unbelievable freedom to say yes when the spouse doesn't exist yet. Hopefully everybody's saying, yeah. You can't hurt them with selfless, impulsive decisions. Be willing to say yes and to bless others, even when you don't always feel like it. And this isn't a knock. Remember, all married people, that's like, ugh. Relax the shoulders. It's okay. This is an awesome thing. We need to edify and uplift singleness. Say, look what you can do. Right now, I can't, but you can. This is awesome. Go and do it. How can we help you go on that long-term mission trip? How can we support you? It's a community both ways. And then the singles say, yes, I can help you move. 
Yes, I can do those things. So it is more than just us, but there's a warning. Although setting goals and growing individually is beneficial in the waiting, selflessness always has to be practiced. Because there's a danger in singleness. There's one extreme of being in despair, feeling inadequate, feeling lonely, discontent. And then there's this other extreme where it starts to just become all about you. I want to travel. I want to go do this. I, it's my money, you know, and I have been there. My family can be a witness. Okay. I have, (laughs) I have lived this single life out about me, distracted, not focused on the Lord. And I have lived this single life out, not distracted at all, going straight forward, using my money and my time and my treasures to try my best, although I fail all the time, but to glorify the Lord and to serve those around me. And I can tell you then I was discontent. Right now I am completely content in my singleness, completely, because I'm following after Christ. And it is, it, it is real. It is a possible thing to reach. I don't have to have marriage in my life to be complete. And although that is a desire for many and it's a want for many, we have to get to the point where, hey, what can we do in the meantime? It has to be a deliberate choice to live undistracted and with self-control. So no matter what you're doing as a single, let it all be for the glory of God. I travel a lot and some people would be like, wow, that's really selfish. Like, what are you doing with your money? Why didn't you give that to the church? You know, (laughs) oh, okay. Good idea. I do that too. But, you know, I, I seriously, I go and I spend my vacation time. And a lot of times I, I go for a couple of weeks and I spend money doing things and experiencing things. But now that I think that I travel with my eyes open and my, still my direction headed straight, straight for Christ, I travel in a different way. I ask the Lord, show me who to talk to. Give me this opportunity. Make this really cool thing happen. You know, and, and I'm telling you, I have weird stories about how we ended up in these amazing places. And it's like, because God allowed a conversation to a conversation. And I'm like, Lord, you are in all of this. Your glory is evident in all the earth. I travel because I get to experience the glory of God and the different cultures and the different people and the different creation that's around the world. So that's the example, as I'm saying, it can still be an awesome thing for you, but are you still giving glory to God? So to avoid this selfishness that can creep in as a single, we must learn to live in an active life of serving others, stewarding our talents, and enjoying hobbies, and seeking purity of motive and of mind in a broken world. Which leads me to my next point. Pursue purity. Yes, I just said that. (laughs) We don't talk about it enough. Just like we don't talk about sex enough in the church, we don't talk about singleness enough in the church, but purity, purity needs to be spoken on. We tend to shy away from it nowadays. Our culture's tendency is to believe that, you know, they try and teach you that marriage is just an imposition. You know, just go and do what you want to do. It just puts restraints on your life. Her chastity is an embarrassment. Like, oh my goodness, what? You're saving it? Like, who are you? I don't... Or... The idea that sexual restraint, they think that it's just a doctrinal hang-up. So this is the world that we're living in. So as the church, these things are being inundated by the world around us. So we need to say, no, it's possible to live a life of purity. I wish that it was spoken about more when I was growing up. And nothing, and I say this even in the last one, there's nothing. I don't have any ill will against anybody or anything or any church But I'm just saying, I want, I see what I was missing and I want to step into that gap. I wish it was talked about. It is, should be desirable, but it is also possible. It is absolutely possible to live this life, not only pure physically, but mentally and in our hearts and in our motives. So we have to guard our hearts and our minds while still pursuing righteousness. In Ephesians 4, 21 through 24, it says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let your spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like Christ, truly righteous and holy. 
So this verse says, okay, since you heard about Jesus, which we have talked about, and you've learned the truth that comes from him, which we have talked about, we need to throw ourselves, throw off the sinful nature. So that bitterness that creeps in, the anger, the lust, the discontentment, all of these things that happen on this side in our old sinful ways, we need to throw them off and not only put on the new nature, but replace it with something else, with righteousness and with holiness. That is what we are called to. And we're, oh no, you're saying, you just said sex in the church, you just said purity, and now you're saying righteousness and holiness. Like, those are churchy words, Allie. Well, no, they need to be talked about. What is righteousness? Jesus came down and died on the cross to make us right with the Father. But also, we have to, we have that, if we accept it, if we accept that grace that he has given to us, we also have to live a life of justice, of fairness, of goodness, and of right standing with those around us. And we are also called to live a holy life. Holiness means to be set apart for God. We are called a holy nation, set apart for his purposes. So if we are called to be set apart, then we can't go back to our old sinful ways because then we look just like the world. That's a responsibility that we carry now, that you are called to holiness, that it is a thing that you can live this life out directly towards the Lord. And yes, there are times that we will stumble and we will fall, but I will tell you that if we renew our minds, we renew our motives, and we ask the Lord daily, daily, and understand what Jesus has done for us in our lives, and we renew our minds and our heart, this is something that we can pursue. To be pure, to be humble, And yes, even in dating. Let's be real. We live in this society. You just say, just do whatever is best in your own eyes. And I'm saying this, seriously, from a... Christians are literally saying this. People that are going off to college, oh, you know, what is that? Uh, Go to college and get your testimony. Like, we're allowing, like... We're saying that this is okay. Go up and you're only single once. Just enjoy it. Live it up. Don't even worry about marriage yet. Like you've got time. Christians are saying this to people. This class that is graduating right now. Are you called to celibacy? Any singles in here? Are you called to celibacy? Probably not. And if that is a no... You might be, but if it is a no, then you need to be pursuing what you would look like to to look like in marriage. Because I will tell you, if you wait until you're just ready to get married to try and stop living this way, it's going to be very difficult or might not even happen for years. And then this person who's been living their life out the way that you wish you could have been living it out is over there and you're like trying to have this relationship with them, but you didn't try and get rid of your selfishness here. How do you ever expect to get rid of your selfishness there? Broken relationships where we're wanting to pursue something in dating, but yet we're still trying to live about us. It's all about us. They call it the boyhood culture that we're living in right now, where it's the 20s and the 30s, and most people, most men don't get married until their 30s, 35. And, um... As almost like an excuse to keep living in the ways that they are. And women are too. We are. We're just, if you're not pursuing after Christ's likeness as a single person in this day and age, and if you're not surrounded by a community that is willing to help you and call you out on these things, it is going to be very difficult to live out purity in this world, to keep your heart to stay pure. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. He will give you all the grace it takes to stay single, to start dating, make it through engagement and journey through marriage with a pure heart and mind in Christ committed to living out his call on your life, no matter which gift of marital status he has on you. He's given you all the grace you need for every situation at all times, in all things.
made it abound more and more to you. But because of the lack of community around these days, dating looks completely different than it used to. It used to bring them to church, bring them to your family, but now we can go date and be separate from everybody. So we don't have, we don't usually have people close enough to us or other persons or the other person to give wisdom into that um, relationship. And if or should it be pursued. So to pursue purity and to stay pure in our best ability, we need the next step and the final step, I promise. Four, to pursue Christ-like community. Christ-like community. I actually made my own slides, and so I missed that one. (laughs) Pursue Christ-like community. And you're wondering, okay, you keep saying pursue. Yes, it is an active participation into your community. You need to pursue biblical truth. You have to pursue personal growth. You have to pursue purity. It's a decision. It's on your part. So if you pursue a Christian community, a Christ-like community, and I stayed away actually from saying Christian because there's a lot of people who say there are Christians but aren't trying to be Christ-like. Find the Christ-like community. Find the community around you that's heading in the same direction as you because I will promise you it will make it easier for you to still stay on your path. Instead of pursuing marriage, which you, it's a stop along the way for a lot of people. What if we pursued finding a Christ-like community and being part of one where we know that accountability, trust, love, and integrity are the norm? A community where family is formed and loneliness is not the norm. Where you are known and you know other people's names. Where you sweat together, you laugh together, you cry together, and you dream in it together. And it creates this koinonia, the fellowship of Christ, the fellowship of believers under one roof. What if you got to find one of those places? What if you got to be a part of one of those places? See, I don't want to hate on, I'm not hating on marriage. See, Christ in the church, just as my dad said earlier, that is an example of marriage. That's a strong marriage. So we want to live this out. It is a beautiful thing. But if we don't have this gift of marriage, sometimes we say, yeah, you know, I can sleep in. I'm single. (laughs) I don't have to go to church today. Nobody will know. You don't want to be a part of a community like that. You want to be invested in a community where people know if you're missing. And I'm telling you, it's not about you. I know I've said it already, but it's not about you. If you're actively pursuing Christ-like community, you are there for other people. You have value. You will find that, and when you pursue biblical truth, you will find that you have value, and you have value to bring to a community of believers, and the community of believers have value to the community around us. So we talk about transformation as being one of our values. We talk about community as being one of our values, and mercy is our last one. But if we want to get to mercy, we first need to be transformed. We need to be in a community of people that are being transformed and will continue to be transformed, and then we will go. Jesus says to go into all the nations and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Three and one, a community perfectly lived out for us. We are one body, but many parts, and Jesus is the head. You, you have so much value and so much to give. There's giftings that God has created you uniquely with, but we can't live into it to our fullest until we're serving around the community that's not only wanting to serve each other, but wanting to go out into the world and make disciples for which we are called to. To love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And I'm wondering, what if my spouse is at your work, (laughs) waiting to hear about Jesus. (laughs) I, please don't go finding people at your, (laughs) at your job and just wondering if maybe he's the one for me. Um, he's, he's just not, I'll just say it. (laughs) Jesus is, um, Marrieds, help the singles out a little bit, okay? We aren't, so many of us want to play Cupid, but we don't want to be disciples. But we have to know it to the depths of who we are, that Jesus is the only way, he is the only life. And if we come to the Father only through him, and we believe that we have been redeemed, that we are loved, that we are saved, then we will go and tell people. It will be out of the overflow of the joy in our hearts. We won't even be able to contain it. And if we don't even say it, then we'll know that we look different than those around us. And they will maybe just come up and ask us, what's so different about you? 
Or why did you handle it this way? Are you Christian? And maybe our spouses, all the single people say, please, hello, go out into the harvest field. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Let's be a part of the workers because singles, who knows if you're pursuing Christ with your whole life and you're doing everything that you can and you're working hard and you're making disciples and you're living your life the best that you can, but still saying, Lord, please, I desire, pray for your spouse. Pray for your spouse. If you don't have one, well, pray for your spouse if you have one for sure. Okay. Everybody. Yep. (laughs) I heard that. Amen. Um, but if you don't have a spouse, pray for them, but not just like, Oh Lord, please. And just say, no, wherever he is, if he's not even a Christian yet, Send the hound of heaven after him. Lord God, send the person that needs to be moved by your spirit that you can do it. Pray bold prayers. I'm asking you to do that. Pray bold prayers and believe that he can. But if he answers in his will, we have to be okay with that. But we have to go out and make disciples. And who knows? You may look, look up one day. And I think of the story of Ruth. Go read the book of Ruth. It takes like 20 minutes. Because she was faithful as a young widower, she was faithful to her mother-in-law, and she followed her to a foreign, foreign nation, and she wanted to work for her so they had food to eat, and she was doing everything she could to love her family and, to, and support them, support Naomi. She was out in the harvest field, and Boaz, who owned the field, who was living his life and doing what he needed to do, walks up and sees, Na- sees Ruth out on the harvest field. And God takes it from there. He writes the story from there. Who knows? You might be out in the harvest field and look up and there he is. There she is right there in the harvest field next to you. That's the type of person you want where their their desire for their heart is to go after Christ. But you have to decide where are you headed? Is your desire to be like Christ? And it's not a bad thing. It's okay to ask questions. It's a good thing to ask questions because you need to know that you know that you know where you're headed and why you're heading there and why you're in a part, why it's so important to be in a community of believers who are also heading that way. And why it's so important to find a spouse that is heading that way as well because you will save yourself a lot of pain and agony if you do that on the front end to get rid of all selfishness, to put all of those things. It's not about being conceit, but to live your life fully and wholly, trying to please the Lord in everything that you do. That is our reasonable act of worship. And when we're worshiping him, he takes care of us. So singles, pursue after God with your whole heart and serve others. Marrieds, pursue after God with your whole heart and serve others. (laughs) If we live out the greatest commands of Jesus, we wouldn't, we would not only be content, we would be loving the Lord, the world around us in a way that Jesus would be made known. And there's no greater joy than to know Jesus. Not just doing things for him, but to know who you are doing it for. It changes everything. To spend time with him. To know that he loves you. But this can only truly fully happen in a healthy community of believers heading in the same direction. And like-mindedness in one accord pursuing after the ethos of Christ. Christ-likeness. Josiah, if you guys want to come up. So I want to ask you again, what is your destination? Are your eyes fixed on Christ? Hebrews 12, 2 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. What a beautiful face. <laughs> a couple months ago, I was, uh, actually maybe not a couple months ago, but I was headed up to Pine Top and I needed a couple days away just to relax and, and spend time with the Lord and just get away. I love being by myself. I'm single and I love being by myself. So it works out great. <laughs> it's a blessing. And I'm actually really introverted. I know that I talk fast and a lot. So you're probably shocked. But I am introverted, although um, I feel like maybe I'm a little outgoing. But I love to be alone and, and be by myself um, with Jesus too, and, and to get away and to be in creation. So I'm leaving my house two days away, 
with the Lord. And I look at my map and it says three hours and 30 minutes. And I just go, ha ha, I'm going to do it in three hours. I don't know where my competitive spirit came out of. Probably the fact that I haven't been playing sports for a while. So just like, oh, I'm going to beat that time. You watch this. No one else is with me. So I don't know what I was doing. So I'm like, you know what? Okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to hurry up and get up there. So I get to Payson in record time, like record time. I'm so proud of myself. And I'm like, I am setting a world record. And I've never even been to this cabin yet. Okay. So I'm setting a great PR. (laughs) I'm just like, yes. And as I was driving and I was hurrying up the mountain to get to Pine Top and I'm going past Christopher Creek and then I see this turnoff about to come up. That's uh, Woods Canyon Lake. And the Lord just goes, why are you in such a hurry? I knew that wasn't my thought, first of all, (laughs) because I was not thinking about that. I was like, why am I? I guess I am in a hurry. Why am I in such a hurry? I'm in a hurry to go relax with Jesus. Like, why can't I just relax with Jesus on the way? You know, it's like Jesus was only at the cabin or something. I don't know what I was thinking, but I was in such a hurry to get up there to spend time away. How often do we try to be hurried to relax? I mean, that just... So I was like, okay... Why am I in such a hurry? So then I saw the pull-off for Woods Canyon Lake, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go pull off. And, and I ended up doing that, and I was out on the rim, and there's a, this is the view that uh, I got to look at. For about an hour and a half, um, I met a few people up there, got to know them. A little bit. The Lord blessed me through them. I got to read scripture. The Lord blessed me through that. And I was praying. And then I was sitting there listening to worship music. Just sitting there on the rock that I took this picture on. And just looking out over the majesty and the wonder and the beauty. That I'm just so blessed to just get to take in. (laughs) That, That God created for us to enjoy. And while I was so on like a mission to just get where I was going, I almost missed the most important moment of those two days away. I almost didn't pull off. I didn't try and slow down. I didn't try to um, hear what the Lord was saying to me in that moment. I was just in so much of a hurry. I almost missed it. I almost did. But the Lord wrecked me in that moment. I get back in my car. I drive or I cry for straight up 20 minutes. You know, it's like I listen to this song that hit my heart. And then it's like you pour salt in the wound sometimes. It's like, oh, repeat, uh, repeat. Uh. <laughs> Anybody, you know, like hallelujah. Yeah, girl. And so I'm just like, yeah. And then I was just jazzed up on Jesus. I'm just like, whoa, I am so pumped for life. And I'm just like talking to him, like he's sitting next to me. And I'm like, the Holy Spirit's in the back and God's in the back. And then I'm like, wait, God, I think you're supposed to be up front. Actually, I'm not the driver. You should be over here having this weird conversation to myself. So stoked about life. Okay. I had a full new energy and I was listening to Jesus music and I was just rocking out and I am flying. (laughs) And, uh, well, actually that's not true. I was going a little over the speed limit, but I looked down to change the song because I wanted to listen to another song that's like fun dance Jesus music because I definitely, I like to worship, but like when I'm alone, nobody should see this. Like, <laughs> and I'm just rocking out and I looked down to change my phone and I looked back up and I'm singing along and I come up on this, like this truck that says, Sheriff. <laughs> oh. I was distracted, and I missed the speed limit sign, okay? There's a point where it drops, it's 65, and then it drops to like 45. Anybody else know where that is? And, or all throughout those mountains. <laughs> and um, I didn't see it, so I'm like, oh no. So I slow down, just act like I'm like, fine. You know, praying for the Lord to show me a speed limit sign. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm, I'm praising Jesus, so he's going to cover me on this one. And <laughs> I like pull up to the next of and I'm like going in front of him. And I'm just like, if I just act like I'm dancing and having a good time, maybe he'll not pull me over. Don't try this at home, guys, because it does not work. Um, so about 30 seconds after that, he like slows down. And then all of a sudden this happened. And I know that it's a terrible picture. But if you look to the right... <laughs> I'm a millennial, so we take selfies. Okay, so <laughs> I, I was 
sitting there like, Lord, you can take that off now, for sure. <laughs> I was like, Lord, no, I was praising you. Why'd you pull me over? Like it was God's fault, you know? And uh, the, the guy pulled me over and, and we talked and, um, and yes, I was given a ticket and my parents are just now finding out about this right now, right now. <laughs> I'm scared to look. Okay. (laughs) I'm 28, but I'm still scared of them. Okay. Um, Healthy fear, healthy fear. So most people asked if I tried to get out of it. And um, no, I didn't try to get out of it for one second. And uh, it's like the Holy Spirit said, Allie, you know you were speeding, so don't you dare try to get out of it. And I was like, okay, okay. So I didn't. And he was beyond gracious with my citation. I still got one, um, but it's not the one that I deserved. It's like Jesus, you know. And uh, I was still, you know, I, I was not the one that I deserved. He was so gracious to me, and I got back on the road to my destination. And I really, when I left, I was like, oh, <laughs> that was my own fault. Like I was distracted in the moment. And so I didn't see the speed limit signs that were up for me and for the sake of others. I had consequences of that. I had a fine. I had a four hour long online driving course that I had to do this week. And I have a certificate to prove it. Yay, 100% on stuff like that. Who cares? You know, it's like, I know I messed up, but that slowed me down from getting to my destination. I was speeding because I was distracted and not adhering to the laws and the rules put in place for me, for my safety and those around me. I had to pause for a second, let it all sink in, let my heart rate come down before I got back on the road, but my destination still remained the same. It took longer than I thought that it would to get there, but I did get there. And you better believe I drove the speed limit the whole way home actually the rest of the way there and the whole way home and now forever for at least a year before I can take another online driving course without it hurting my insurance. (laughs) Just got to be real around here, you know what I mean? Um, Oh my goodness, the time. Wow. Thanks, Jeff. Um, (laughs) And you... um, When we make anything other than Christ our destination, we will get pulled over, fined, lose hours, making up for our own own disobedience, whether it was on purpose or not, deliberate or distracted, but we will also miss the times we need to stop and breathe. Take in the majesty of our creator and let him speak to our souls instead of rushing to be and do and serve him in the community and miss just knowing him better. As singles, if our destination is marriage, we are missing the point of our journey. As married, if if marriage was your destination, you want to yell to the singles, pick another destination. But marriage isn't bad, but it's a stop along the way. It can't be our source of fulfillment. Christ should be and honestly has to be. If we live in a community supporting, uplifting, and being honest with each other about our journeys, then we live like-minded in one accord. Marital status won't even matter. So let's live our lives enriched in a community. And let's, so singles, let's go to dinner with the married people. And married people, go to dinner with the single people. It's okay to be a third wheel, single people. Yeah. It's okay, marrieds, to ask them. Don't feel uncomfortable about it. Let's show the world what a united body of Christ looks like and how we are to love one another. And it's a fun thing. So let's go out of here. I know that we're late. So, and we've been standing up here for 10 minutes. Goodness. Lord Jesus. I said that this morning, I was like, Jesus, take the wheel, you know, Carrie Underwood, this life. But I I seriously, I'm just so thankful to be in a body of believers that um, one is willing to sit through a really long thing, but also who's willing to sacrifice and to to pour out their, their lives into a community because they believe in it. But also we have to believe in who and why we're here anyway. So we will go out into a world and we should be bringing more people in, whether it's here or someone else, somewhere else. Because we are so on fire for the Lord, it is contagious. The fire of the Lord is contagious. Jesus is everything. He is worth everything. And it will change your life and it will change the world around you. I'm just going to pray us out of here. Everybody, you want to stand with me? Dear Lord, just thank you for this time. Thank you for um, just your... 
your word and your presence, Lord God. Um, We just praise you, we lift you up, and that this is a fun journey. Um, I just thank you so much for the ability to be in a a community of believers who are willing to live this out, or try to, if anything. We're trying, Lord, and we are offering what we have to give today. Not worrying about tomorrow, but what can we give today? Today. May your love wash over us. May you somehow give us back some minutes in the day. (laughs) But we just love you and we're so thankful for everything that you've done for us and what you will do for us, whether we are married or we are single, we can find our fulfillment in you and we should in you alone. Because your name is above every name, Jesus. You are enough. Christ is enough. He truly is. And when we believe it, the world around us will too. Thank you for this day. We love you. And now we pray. Amen.